Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Bruce. That was a very exciting game, a two-to-one loss for the Oilers. Um, very frustrating way they lost it in overtime with a couple, I think, of mental errors by Nurse and Dreisaitl. But um, nonetheless, very good game from the whole team, including Nurse and Dreisaitl. Um, a really strong team effort to get a, a, a loser point out of a, uh, against a tough Boston team. Um, let me just check here. The Oilers were outchanced. Um, Boston had 14 grade A chances and Edmonton had nine. So um, Boston had the better of the play through the game, Bruce. They had lots of power plays that they were much more effective on than Edmonton, I think, were on their power plays. Just a really hard-fought game. And I thought Edmonton matched up really well against the Boston Bruins, one of the best teams in the league. And you add Connor McDavid to that mix. And uh, we'll see who comes out on top. Maybe we'll see them in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> this is our two good things. Two bad oh, things nice. and two numbers. Podcast, Bruce, what is your good thing? Well, I'm going to have to uh, credit the Edmonton penalty kill tonight. Uh, and that is the whole unit, including netminder Mike Smith, who had an excellent game uh, almost throughout. Uh, but certainly on the power play where the Oilers were guilty of uh, seven infractions, had to kill seven penalties. And they weren't always the full two minutes because three times in the game, the Oilers killed their own power play by taking a penalty. So... Boston got a penalty power play of their own at the end of, of the of the four on four, you know. But uh, added all up, and it was 12 minutes short. Uh, Boston got 11 shots, and uh, Smith stopped all 11. And uh, the defense and you know the penalty killers worked their butts off, and uh, they made a lot of clearances and a lot of lifted sticks and a lot of sticks in passing lanes and a lot of box outs and. You know, it was just a pitch warfare kind of game. Boston plays hard. Man, that's a good team. Yeah, and the Oilers are a good team, too. Like, those are mm-hmm. two good teams, I'd say. And you're right, Boston is a fantastic hockey team. I really like, um, you know, all those. They're, they're all kind of clones of each other. They're all about the same size. These kind of 5'10", 5'11", 200-pound guys on the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. There's probably about six or seven of them. <laughs> you know, like Bergeron and Marchand and Krug and Pasternak and few others and and they all just buzz around the ice making great plays all game long very smart hockey players yeah the penalty kill for the others bruce i just was really struck by riley shane and josh archibald tonight um they just played so well and um they've been playing well all year long and logison had some a lot of pk time adam larson was out there great work by those guys just just stalwart (coughs) penalty killing Alrighty, my good thing, Bruce, is the way that the um, the young guys stepped up, <clears throat> and I'm going to talk about the the kind of the, some of the later additions. So Tyler Benson, again, mm-hmm. he, like he got a great A chance on net, uh, kind of a choppy rebound play on the power play. He's just fitting in, I think, very well on that line with Shane and Archibald. I like that line. I like him, like him with him on it. I thought William Loggison had his best game as a as a oh, NHLer. This is, is it his fourth game. Um, Both of them solid. He was just solid all game long. He's, he he played a very smart game. You know, we know him to be kind of a high event player now and then in, in the AHL kind of, he's more dynamic, but he kind of reined it in, kept it simple and just played a tough physical game and a very simple game. 
So good for William Loggison. Then there was Caleb Jones, who was asked to step up in the absence of Oscar Clefbaum. And um, I thought he just was very confident out there. He made a lot of really good, smart passes, quick passes, quick decisions with the puck all night long. And usually they were the right decision. And I didn't see him making a ton of mistakes on uh, grade A chances against. Let me just quickly check our numbers. We have him down for one. He made a bad pinch. Uh fairly early in the game, I think. Uh-huh. And um, they got caught out, him and Larson. But uh, so that was that was the one time he got he got caught out. That's a pretty good game when you're asked to step up against a really tough team. And again, Bruce, uh, I, I've said this before and I, I will say it again. I do think that Caleb Jones has the potential to be a top four, play in the top four in the NHL. He's more than I believe he's more than just a bottom pairing defenseman but because of his mobility his smarts and his puck moving, I see a top four D man for some team. Um, it's, you know, the orders are pretty stacked at left defense right now, but this guy can play hockey. So those are my, that's my good thing. Your bad thing. Oh boy, bad thing. I'm going to let you go first. I'm still, a, I'm still a digesting. Oh. Okay, my, this is, okay. I know that they're going with kind of seniority, when they're picking who's going to take Clefbaum's place on the power play. And they got to go first to Darnell Nurse because that's the pecking order on the team. But Bruce, there's not really a justification for it. When you when you look at the offensive games of Ethan Bear and Darnell Nurse and compare the two of them, Bear is just at, at every aspect in the offensive end of the ice, he is a better player than Darnell Nurse. He's better passing the puck. He's better better walking the line. He's better fainting with the puck. He makes better decisions with the puck. He's better at putting the puck on net. He he and so 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 there's that, and that's that's the power play. That's what it's all about. Other than that, you have to advance it out of your end. And Nurse has trouble doing that too. He was constantly passing the puck too early when he was advancing it out of his zones. He'd make a quick pass back way too early before the other team had even bid on him enough, and the other team was shutting down the orders before they got into the to the, to the Boston end. So you could say, well, he's just nervous and he's going to get better on the power play and he'll do better in the future. No, they don't have time. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are in a playoff race right now. And yeah. the coach is going to have to bite the bullet here and make the hard decision, I believe, and put Ethan bear out there. And so what, what we saw tonight on the power play was a fairly ineffective power play, except when bear, when bear actually got the puck at the point, got his head up, took a look, made a nice, smart play that was deflectable by Sam Gagné. It was in the net, and that was how they got the loser point out of this game. And then a short time later, what happens? Darnell Nurse turned it over, and Boston almost scored, right? So, and he took a penalty. Listen, Darnell, yeah, he took a penalty. Darnell Nurse is a really fine, even-strength hockey player. I'm the guy who argues he might even be worth $8 million one day, but he is not a power player. And the Oilers are going to have to, I think, make that call. Agree or disagree, Bruce McCurdy? Well, you sure notice the difference between um, between Nurse's play on the point and Clefbaum's. It seemed yeah. like the passes weren't as crisp, the decisions weren't as quick. He held the puck for the extra split second rather than making the quick decisions off to the side. I've, I've come to appreciate Clefbaum as, as yeah. being a good point guard on the, on the point, you know. Uh, and his job is ball movement as opposed to the three-point bomb from out there, but... Uh, uh, he's pretty good at it. Nurse has got this kind of extra motion with his and, and sort of puts the puck where he can't pass it and has to pull it into the lane where he can. And it just takes that extra split second. 
And then, of course, that decision he made in the neutral zone where it was, I think it was Sean Corrali that was all over him, and he just wasn't intense enough on the puck, and he knew it. I mean, he saw his reaction to the penalty. He was not a happy camper, and he was himself that he was unhappy with. But uh, that's that just can't happen. I mean, they lost the game last week because they gave up a shorthanded goal in what was a 1-1 game, and it cost him the game. And it very nearly happened there. And Smith came up with that play. So, uh uh, I don't know, David, they got Evan Bouchard sitting in the press box. Maybe he's the guy to run the next power play. You know, the thing about Clefbaum <laughs> is, Bruce, he t- it took him a long time to be it less did. mechanical on the power play. Yep. He was pretty mechanical as well for a long time, and now he is so smooth. He's got those. He's got the motion. He's got the uh, the rhythm of the power play down perfectly. I've really come to like the way Oscar Clefbaum mm-hmm. runs the power play in the last few months. Mm-hmm. Nurse yeah. could maybe one day do it. Maybe if he did this for full time for a year, but Ethan Bear was a power play specialist in in major junior hockey the whole time he was there. Pretty much, he's he was a power play guy in Bakersfield much of the time. He's the guy, and yes, Evan Bouchard is a heck of a power play runner. But I don't think, like, I don't see how he gets in a game. He's not a left shot D man. They've got four, three really solid. <coughs> right shot D-man right now. Lagasin's a good player. So I don't see Bouchard getting in the game. And I don't think you need to for his power play prowess as strong as it would be. I think Ethan Bear is going to be, he might really be a strong power player. And um, in limited ice time this year, I think he's shown that he is a, a strong power play guy. So I, well, <laughs> I'd i like to see this. He was an ace on the power play in Seattle, you know, as, yes. a, as a junior. I, I watched, watched him play a game and he and Matt Barzell had a real thing going on that uh, on that uh, power play, and uh, uh, Nurse in junior he played power play I think with uh, with Sault Saint Marie, but uh, uh, like you say I don't think it comes as naturally. Like Bear Bear has got more of offensive instinct, especially in the offensive zone when it comes to actually moving, doing creative things with the puck. So. Uh, we may see it. I mean, tonight Bear played a minute and 38 seconds and got an assist on the only goal. That was his power play time. And Nurse had eight minutes and 56 seconds on the power play. And not, uh, you know, I mean, there there may be a chance or two in in here that he was involved in. But uh, it uh, the power play stumbled. And, you know, those two power plays in the third period, when it was one-to-one, they really had a chance to, you know, especially two and a half minutes to go in the third period. And they just couldn't generate a damn thing. Well, Tippett has an ex- excuse me. Yeah, Tippett has an excuse now to to go to Nurse and say, you know, Darnell, it's not like we just need to win. And sorry, man, but uh, we're going to go to the guy who put up a point tonight and see if he puts up a point tomorrow night and see how that works. We're going to go with the hot hand. He could give him the old. We're going to go with the hot hand thing. Mm-hmm. And players can, you know, they got to accept that, right? So, um, but Bruce, um, but David Nurse is getting paid now, and and Bear isn't yet. You want to give Bear a bunch of extra free points for his contract negotiation? We had this yes. discussion earlier about yes, this. yes, I do, Bruce. Okay. At this point, yes, I want the Oilers to win. So yes, um, they're not in a playoff position yet. <laughs> so, I, I, like I, I take those. I don't like. I, I'm not. I don't think the point that you're making is is a foolish point, and I don't think you're making it facetiously. I think well, you're actually sorta. well. It, it, you are sort of, and I get but that. It's a but real on the point. other hand, it is point. a real point. It's a legitimate point, and it, and it, it was a, always a good argument. I think Bear could have run the power play probably as well as Clefbaum this year at some point. Um, but it was a strong argument just to keep Clefbaum there, especially with the success of that power play. I mean, a lot of people have pushed for Bear all year long, but that is a point that you factor in there, plus the pecking order of the team, which I do think goes into who plays on the power play. 
Bruce, what is your bad thing? Have you conjured it up? Or are you going to go to the oh, OT? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess the OT goal was... Uh, uh, it, I just didn't, didn't like uh, a couple things about it. I mean, first of all, they won the puck in the corner and, and Leon tapped it over to Yamamoto and they're away on a two-on-one. And Yamamoto had two chances to pass it back to Leon. One right away when they were just crossing the Oilers' blue line, and get the puck into the hands of the, you know, the, the uh, more experienced uh, uh, player for such a key play. Uh, but he chose to hold it, which okay, that's your decision. Then when the time comes, you got to make a play, and he completely fumbled it and, and didn't get the pass through. It was it was a great coverage by Krug, uh, but the chat at when the moment came. For that pass to go through, it didn't. And then Krug just took everything away from from there. And Yamamoto held it, you know, like his recovery was all right. But that was the old Billy Carroll two-on-one where you wind up stick-handling the puck all the way into the corner without ever making a pass or a shot. Very frustrating. And then uh, um, in the continuation, Nurse, uh, who was fresh on the ice, he decided to go hard to the net front with the puck. And he, his man was David Pasternak. And Pasternak collapsed in the net front. And you can watch that play. And if you look real hard, you can say that Pasternak hooked Nurse. Certainly Nurse went down. And Pasternak's stick was somewhere in there. And then, of course, Pasternak's away. And Nurse is down. And the only way they can cover that play is for one of the forwards to hightail it back. Well, the only forward who can possibly do that is Leon Dreisaitl, who by now has been on the ice for over a minute. And he tries to pinch off the pass, and Patrice Bergeron uh, plays it perfectly and lays it out there. And Pasternak, I mean, of all people, are going to friggin' break away the NHL leading goal scorer in the first shift of overtime. So that's just a botched assignment all the way around. And, and Pasternak made Smith look like that was an easy deposit. Now, I'm not going to blame Mike Smith. I'm just going to say Mike uh, David Pasternak is quite capable of making many NHL goalies look foolish, and he showed it again. On that play, just an easy goal. Yeah, maybe four little bad decisions added up, like Yamo not Yamo not passing to dry settle early on there. Mm-hmm. Although Yamamoto's probably thinking, well, I want to set up the guy who can shoot, so maybe that's maybe not such a bad decision. But I think Nurse's decision to to attack the net when they had been out there that long and dry settle, they were all tired. Just take the puck back, man. Don't go for the gold yeah. Um, yeah. in that moment. Just mm-hmm. make the safe play. Get get a fresh set of legs on the ice. So then Drysaddle's decision when Nurse rushes, Drysaddle could have got off the ice right then, and that was a bad decision for Leon he, to stay to stay on the ice. He was on the far Maybe. side from the bench. Well, I think he could have done it. He doesn't know if Nurse is going to be successful. It might have been poked off Nurse's stick. So that, then that maybe speaks to Nurse's decision too, right? In, in, as opposed to making a safe play to get Drysaddle off the ice uh, and himself safely, and then Drysaddle's play. Bruce, come on. Nurse is rushed in there. It's clear Nurse is going. Nuge is in there. Drysaddle can count the two uniforms ahead of him. He's got to be thinking, okay, I got to hightail it back. I got to cover, and he didn't. So I didn't like that play either. Um, what is your number? Uh, my number is one minute and fourteen seconds, and it kind of is a build off of the uh, previous comment. Uh, this is the time of the game-winning goal against the last four times the Oilers lost in overtime. 114, 113, 109, 114. And all four times, 
the the uh, line that started overtime had at least one guy still on the ice. And I'm pretty sure it was Leon in every case that was still on the ice and, and McDavid in other cases. But tonight, two of the three changed. But three on three is is fast, man. And you can't be kind of wooden-legged out there, stiff-legged, as, as uh, Strudwick puts it, um, when uh, straight-legged, when you're playing, you know, a high-speed game with that much ice to cover. And the Oilers' last game, I, I even commented about it in the podcast. I said to Drysaddle made a real smart play, minute 10 into overtime, he made a smart pass out of the zone and got off to live to fight another day. And the other day, guess what? They won the game later in overtime. Like, you don't have to go for it all in one shift. And they've been burned now four times. And they've only won one overtime last game was the first <coughs> overtime game they'd won since early November. So what they've been doing in OT uh, just hasn't been working. And, and I think Tippett has to address that, quite frankly, because, sure. uh, you know, that's um, it's become a pattern. I mean, four times, all between 69 and 74 seconds. Like, it's that's too long of a shift in the NHL, and you will get burned. And if you have four other teammates out there, maybe they'll cover for you. But when you only got two other teammates, someone's going to be free. Bruce, that might be my, might be my favorite number ever from you. Of all the McCurdy, uh, of all the McCurdy numbers, that was the McCurdiest because only you would know, remember well, that I kind of thing. It, I looked it up, but I knew they were all over a minute and under a minute and fifteen because I, I remember it came up one game before the the other one fourteen game. I, mean, I think that was against the Stars. I think that was was the game that was the average shift for for McDavid or Drysaddle, and they had they had it in overtime and it burned them. So it kind of burned in my brain, I guess. Yeah, that was you. You were bringing the numbers there. That was that was Rain Man like number recall. <laughs> that was really impressive. Okay, uh, what's my number? I had it here. I think I've lost the document. What's what's Riley Shane's Tim on ice? Do you have oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got it here. Six forty-five. Six forty-five is my number. I just thought, and I've mentioned it already in the context of penalty killing. Mm-hmm. Riley Shane's playing fantastic hockey for the Edmonton Oilers, and he has been for the last, um, since January. He's really, really, um, and Archibald, both of those guys have just amped up their game. Um, every month that they've played with the Oilers, I think, they've gotten better. To the point now where they are really solid uh, two-way hockey players. I'm not so sure that the Oilers need another center, Bruce, with Riley Shane playing. Like, I don't mind him being the third-line mm-hmm. center on the Oilers. Like, put him out there against every tough line, tough minutes line. You know, Anaheim, what, what was Anaheim's line? You know, they had Sammy Paulson, and was that his they name? Had, a bunch they of... had the zero line, yeah. Yeah. Sammy so, Paulson's line. Yeah. So, you know, with, with Archibald and, and Shane and either Benson or, or Negard, the owners can have their own zero line out there. Those guys are getting the job done. And Ar- uh, Shane on the PK is, is just fantastic. So um, he's going to, I hope he earns a new contract. I, you know, I hope it's not too much money. I'm starting to think it's getting a bit more expensive with this, this run of good play, although you never know. Like, he's not a big goal scorer, so maybe he's going to be happy just to sign. But he was a he was a last-minute find by by Holland, a last-minute signing. You know, any team could have had him. And the Oilers got him. Good good work by Ken Holland on both of those signings. That's just absolutely Arch- crucial GMing that happened in the summer. Good work. Archibald, mid-July, and Shane, uh, early September, like just yeah. before camp. He did and his now- best. That's the core of our uh, forward penalty killing unit for the Oilers. Yeah. All right, I got to get going. I got a hockey game myself tonight. So uh, another late night game for uh, 
myself and the River City Pigeons. So right. uh, thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Is, your, is uh, Lily off the IR yet? She is. She's played the last few games, and she's All been right. really strong. She's been flying out there, going hard to the net. She's Excellent. up and forward now. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. she got a put one in. Put one in tonight, Lily. <laughs> Pass through right. the puck, David. Come on now. I do all the time. <laughs> sure you do. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll just take that one point and move on. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.